Okay, when I was a sophomore in college, are we good? What, did I do some? Okay, can you hear me? Yes. All right, that'll work. When I was a sophomore in college, I was putting my schedule together for the spring semester, and this elective caught my eye. It was called The Nature of Existence. And that sounded really interesting to me. I may be one of the few people who finds that very interesting. But this class was listed as like a higher level philosophy class. Uh, but I signed up because it sounded cool. And I figured that I could write whatever flowery philosophical papers I needed to write. Well, pretty quickly, I discovered that while it was kind of a philosophy class, it was much more a high level physics class. The course was structured around quantum mechanics and string theory, <laughs> which are incredibly complex topics. And so this class that I thought would have me waxing on poetically about why human beings are the way we are uh, was the exact opposite. It involved a lot of calculus and complicated math, and it covered theories like quantum entanglement and wave-particle duality and superposition and how human consciousness affects all of that. Point being, it was super hard. And it was not what I expected. Uh, I had bitten off way more than I could chew. And I needed to drop this class. But there were two problems. First of all, I needed to take a certain amount of credit hours in order to retain my scholarship. Uh, and the other problem was that I had a buddy in the class who was begging me to stay. He assured me that we could study together, that we would figure this all out. And so I made the mistake of not withdrawing in time. Well, as you can see, I am a Methodist pastor, <laughs> not a physicist. Uh, it did not go well. And by the time I got to the final exam, which was a huge portion of our grade, I had to get at minimum a B on that test in order to even pass the nature of existence. Um, and so the night before the test, my buddy Colin and I, we stayed up all night studying. I mean, eight straight hours of cramming as much information as we possibly could. And we went in the next day and I sat down and I got the test booklet in front of me and it might as well have been in another language. Uh, I bombed this exam. No exaggeration, uh, I probably got maybe a 20 or a 30 on this test. And so time ran out and we turned in our booklets and I felt so discouraged. I knew without a shadow of a doubt that I had failed this class and I had never failed a class in my life. Um, and so I immediately walked into my professor, Dr. Barry's office. Dr. Barry was like this hip physicist, which I know those words sound a little <laughs> at odds, but he was. He's this cool, younger Irish guy and very down to earth. And so I knew I could talk to him. So I went into his office and I was all worked up and I told him, Dr. Barry, I did my best. I tried, I studied, I've been trying to understand differential equations and things that I have no reason to understand. Uh, I studied all night, but I told him I knew that I had bombed this final. And I asked him if there was anything at all I could do any makeup work, any additional work that I could do to try and squeeze out even a D in this class so that I could get some credit for it. And I'll never forget what he said to me that day. He said, Sam, here's what you can do. You can give yourself a break. You did your best and that's enough. 
Now, I didn't love that answer at the time, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, but you know what? The further along I get into my ministry and the more that I just live life, the more I see how absolutely massive the advice he gave me that day was. Because now it is advice that I regularly give in my role as a pastor. I'm sure all of our pastors would attest. We say this a lot. Uh, I meet with people. We all meet with people regularly. And, and they're struggling with all sorts of things, a myriad of different things. And over and over, I find myself saying those same wor words. Give yourself a break. Let yourself off the hook a little. And look, not only is that good advice, it's biblical advice. And we're going to see that in our scripture for today. Uh, our passage comes from the very end of the book of Micah. Now, if you're not familiar with Micah, let me tell you a little bit about him. He's one of the minor prophets of the Old Testament. Uh, and he writes at a time when the Israelites have split into two different kingdoms. You have the northern kingdom of Israel and you have the southern kingdom of Judah. And Micah lived in the southeastern portion of that southern kingdom of Judah. Uh, but he writes to both kingdoms. And the nature of Micah's prophecy is pretty straightforward. Micah says that Israel's leaders, and honestly even the prophets, have become wealthy through greed and theft and corruption. He spends the first six chapters talking about the unjust economic practices that have become commonplace. And, and then he warns them that soon the Assyrian Empire, followed by the Babylonian Empire, are going to come in and conquer them. And so this book is a warning to the people about how they have sinned before God and how there is a reckoning coming. Uh, honestly, it's a sobering read. But at the very end of the book, in chapter 7, the final chapter of the book of Micah, something turns. In the last section of this book, Israel is personified as a broken man sitting alone in shame and defeat. He recognizes his sin, he knows he's messed up, and he's struggling with that. But then he begins to talk about God's character, about who God is. And the book ends on this high note. We get this beautiful word of hope that closes the book. It's the last thing that Micah leaves us with. So that's what we're going to read. This is what the personified, defeated, shame-filled version of Israel says to close this book. He says, who is a God like you? Pardoning iniquity and passing over the transgression of the remnant of your possession. He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in showing clemency. He will again have compassion upon us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all of our sin into the depths of the sea. Okay, this is the good news of the book of Micah. So much of this book deals with the sin and the injustice that the people of Israel had been a part of, all the mistakes they made. And yet the final realization, the way that this book ends, is by noting that God has a heart of compassion. That he doesn't hold us in our shame. That he doesn't rub our noses in our sin. Instead, what does Micah say? He casts it into the ocean. And so the question for us today is if God does that, if that's who he is, 
why do we struggle so much to forgive ourselves? Why is the hardest person for me to forgive me? Why don't we give ourselves a break? You know, I think it's important that Micah ended the book this way because he's trying to remind the people that, that they should be convicted of their sin, yes, but they don't need to live in the shame of that sin forever because God forgives. He casts it into the depths. And so again, we have to ask ourselves, why don't we do that? Why do we struggle so much with that? That's a question we have to consider today because like I said, I know it's something that so many of us struggle with, including myself. We struggle to forgive ourselves, and that leads to shame. That's what we see in the personified version of Israel that concludes this book. He's a broken man. He's a, a defeated man, and he's filled with shame. But shame is a dangerous thing to carry around. A recent study in the Journal of Psychology stated that those who struggle with shame issues regularly had increased problems in the areas of self-esteem, emotional regulation, aggressive tendencies, and overall well-being. Shame impacts us more than we know. So it's something that we've got to be willing to tackle. But in order to do that, we need to clarify what shame is. Because I think a lot of the time, we confuse guilt and shame. See, guilt is knowing that we've done something wrong. We've committed some sort of offense. We've done something that we need forgiveness for. Guilt says, I did bad. But shame is the feeling that our whole self is wrong. That our entire being, who we are, is an offense. And the thing about shame is even after we've been forgiven, it sticks around. Shame doesn't say, I did bad. Shame says, I am bad. Look, guilt is a part of life. Guilt tells us we've made a mistake. Guilt is natural. And it's something that we, we, we think a lot about during the season of Lent that begins this week. Wednesday is Ash Wednesday. We have services at 12 and 6. Pastor Kyle will be preaching. It's going to be excellent. Just a subtle plug. But this week is Ash Wednesday. And we're going to receive ashes on our heads. And we do that in recognition of our own mortality, but also of our sin. And that's an important spiritual practice because over the course of Lent, we remember that Christ died for all of us because we were guilty. We've all sinned and the penalty for that sin was death until Christ came along and he took that sin and he took that death upon himself so that we would be free. And so yes, we are guilty, that is true. The problem comes when we let our guilt become shame. The problem comes when we let our I did bad become I am bad. Shame is what happens when we don't know how to forgive ourselves. Shame is what happens when we don't know how to move on. But we need to hear today what Micah shares in our scripture, that our God is not a God that shames us. He is a God of great compassion he doesn't retain his anger forever. He's gracious. Love the words of that song that we just heard, grace upon grace. He casts our sins into the depths, 
that's who our God is. That's what our God is like. And we see this throughout the Old Testament. But we also see it in the New Testament in the way that Jesus treated people who needed forgiveness. You remember the story of the woman caught in adultery in the Gospel of John. A crowd gathers around and they are ready to sentence her to die. And then Jesus shows up. And he asks the crowd what's going on. And they say, this woman is a sinner. She's guilty. And so we've gathered together to shame her. And Jesus says, okay, go for it. But you can only throw a stone if you're sinless. You without sin, you get to cast the first stone. And so they drop their stones and they walk away. And then I want you to see what Jesus says to her. I love this. Jesus goes to her and he says, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, sir. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go your way and from now on, do not sin again. I want you to notice that Jesus never shames her. He convicts her of her sin and then he forgives her. And that is an important lesson for all of us. We need to learn to treat ourselves that way. Yes, we should actively work to eliminate sin from our lives, no doubt. But that doesn't mean that we need to shame ourselves. That doesn't mean that, that we need to hold on to our mistakes forever and lay awake at night remembering that cringy thing we said five years ago. I don't know about y'all, but I am so bad about that. I will lay in bed dwelling on some random thing that I said or did when I was like 15 years old. And I don't know why I do that. I don't know why we do that. But it's something that so many of us wrestle with. We struggle to let ourselves off the hook. We need to learn to forgive ourselves, to give ourselves a break because living a life in shame, dragging that around with us, that is not what God wants for us. It's not what God wants for you. And that's what this passage from Micah reminds us. Israel had sinned. Their leaders were corrupt and greedy. And Micah spends the first six chapters pointing that out. But it's not how the book ends. It ends with a word of hope with a reminder that, that they don't have to live in the shame of their failure forever. Because when God forgives, it's unconditional. When God forgives, it's done. It's over. He takes our failures and he takes our sin and our shame and our brokenness and he throws it into the sea. Yes, we need to understand the reality of our guilt, but we can't let it become shame. We can't let I've done bad become I am bad. The great lesson of our scripture, the great lesson of Micah, is that no matter how far we get from God, no matter how much we mess up, God's love is always bigger than all of it. God's mercy is always bigger than all of it. God's compassion is bigger than all of it. And when we finally let ourselves feel that, when we finally own it and learn to give ourselves some grace, to let go of the shame that we're carrying around, there is an incredible freedom 
in that. I want to show you a really beautiful example of someone finding that freedom from shame. It's from a few years ago. Um, the video we're about to watch comes from when they were trying to get the movie, the, uh, the musical, The Greatest Showman, greenlit by a movie studio so it could become a movie. And you may have seen this video, but it's, it's the iconic song from the movie. If you're not familiar with the premise of the film, it's about P.T. Barnum, who started the original circus. And in doing that, he gathered all these people together who had rough backgrounds, who were impoverished, uh, people who were outcasts in their society. Uh, but more than anything, all the people he got together were people who were struggling with shame, who had been shamed by the outside world, but were also struggling with internal shame. And this particular song that we're, we're going to hear is sung by the actress who plays the bearded lady. And it is this great anthem of dispelling shame and living in freedom. And so uh, we're going to watch. I hope that you enjoy it. And uh, we knew that it was going to be the anthem of the film, um, but no one had heard it before. And no one had heard Kiala sing it live. Kiala, who I didn't even want to come out from behind the music stand. I didn't. I, I kept saying to her, just step out, because this is your moment, and you have to step out into the ring, metaphorically, because that's what you're doing. And you've got to stand right there in front of everyone and just belt this out. And I didn't want to. In fact, I stood behind that music stand yeah. until the day of that presentation. There was a moment in the song that I actually was so scared that I had to actually grab Hugh's hand so that I had somebody to hold on to. And then we got to the end of the number, and all I remember is just deafening, deafening applause. It was a sort of otherworldly experience. It was one of those moments that will stay with me the rest of my life. Unfortunately, we filmed it. I'm not a stranger to the dark. Hide away, they say, cause we don't want you broken parts. Learn to be ashamed of all my scars. Run away, they say.
writing this sermon at a coffee shop in Grapevine on Thursday and I was crying a little bit and this guy working across from me was typing on his computer looking over at me like, what is going on? <laughs> but there is something holy about that video to me. There is, there is something sacred that was happening in that room. All of these people singing at the top of their lungs how they are beloved. All of these people belting out that they're not going to let shame dictate their lives. I show you that video because I want the same thing for all of us. You deserve to give yourself a break. You deserve the freedom that comes from forgiving yourself. You deserve to step out from behind the music stand and stop living in shame. Because Jesus loves you more than you can possibly imagine. Every mistake that you've ever made, every mistake that you will ever make, he gave his life for. And he did it because he loves you. He did it because he wants you to experience that same beautiful, sacred freedom that we just watched in that video. Yes, our God is a God who convicts us of sin. He is a God who calls us to be better. But he is not a God who rubs our noses in our mistakes. He is a God who shows us grace upon grace. And he's a God who wants us to show ourselves a little bit of grace. He's a God who, who does exactly what my professor, Dr. Barry, did. I told y'all earlier that I left uh, that day after bombing my exam knowing that I was going to have a giant F on my transcript. But when grades got posted a couple of weeks later, that's not what happened. My grade in the nature of existence, my grade in this class that I had no business being in was posted as a B plus. I did not earn that. <laughs> Dr. Barry did that for me. He gave me a break even when I couldn't give myself one. And y'all, that is what our God does. Even when we make mistakes, even when we fail, even when we fall short, he shows us grace. He gives us a B plus when we deserve an F. God does that for us. That's who he is. That's his character. And so we need to learn to do it for ourselves too. Because listen, if you hear nothing else from this sermon, hear this. You are so loved. And you are forgiven. And you deserve to stop dwelling on all your past failures. Because you know what? God's not dwelling on them. Like Micah says, all of the things we're dragging around, all of the things that keep us up at night, they're already at the bottom of the sea. Hallelujah.
Amen. Will you pray with me? Lord, we confess that we are a people who carry things around. Lord, I know that in this room and among those watching online right now, there are probably thousands upon thousands of things that we are clinging to. Countless things that we have been dwelling on for days or weeks or maybe years. God, remind us this morning that you're not dwelling on them. That when you forgive, it's over, it's done. You say forgiven, forgotten, forever. God, we are so grateful that you are a God of grace and compassion and mercy. Lord, we know that we are a broken people. We know that we mess up a lot. We know that we will continue to probably mess up a lot. But God, even in our brokenness, you tell us that bigger than that is our belovedness. That when we are stuck in shame, when we are drowning in shame, you pull us out from the depth. You tell us we're loved, you tell us we're forgiven. Jesus, we love you and we thank you. We pray all of this in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss new releases. We'll have new podcasts coming out all the time. Be sure to check us out online at whiteschapelumc.com. Please download the WC Life app and follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things WC.